Hi, I'm Wesley. And I'm Robin. And this is Obstructed View. And today we will be discussing Company 14's Snow White at the Mineta Lane Theater. Company 14's Snow White follows the traditional German tale rather than the Disney version of the Snow White story. If you don't know the original tale, it is in which a vain queen consults her mirror, who is the fairest in the land. The mirror responds, Snow White, who she then orders to have killed. Snow White flees to the woods where the queen gives chase after her, intending to kill her. Snow White finally dies by eating a poisoned apple, but is revived by a handsome prince. At the prince's wedding ceremony with Snow White, which the queen attends, the queen is punished to death by being forced to wear red-hot iron metal shoes. Our design team for Snow White was Zane Pilstrom for set and costumes, Jeanette Oisuk-Yu for lighting and projection design, and makeup design by Sarah Cimino. The only addition that has been made to the in-house set Company 14 has been using this season was the addition of a small pop-up puppet theater. The way that they interacted with the set, it didn't have the sense of going up and down, up and down, all over the place that Cinderella did, where it really utilized every corner at all times, but there was such a full-bodied vision for all these different stage elements they really saw a much larger picture than I think they did in the two previous pieces where it was all about sort of this three-ring circus where you look at this one and then you look at this place and you look at this place. This was a much more open dance space. And you really got a good sense of that during the pre-show in which the actors were just walking around on the stage going about their business. I love the pre-show for this one because everyone seemed so calm and ready to tell the story. And you were able to witness all aspects of the space without treating it like an I Spy game. There was so much air. There was so much space you could breathe in this production and in this design and in the treatment of the space that I found to be the real hindrance in Nutcracker Rouge. It was just so fast-paced and frantic. And this was so much more relaxed in its pre-show and in a lot of the staging. And all of that franticness was gone. Yeah, this was a much more constructed and a much more patiently delivered piece. And that was really paralleled in the lighting design by Jeanette Oisekiu. It was a lot more along the lines of Cinderella, but where Cinderella was that warm amber, the color of champagne feeling, this was a lot more of a bright, neon, techno-colored mixed drink, like a cosmopolitan or... An apple teeny. Yes. Uh, Lighting-wise. <laughs> you know uh, it's true. Okay, so... No, uh, Cinderella had this very much Hollywood Golden Age kind of feel to it. Um, Nutcracker Rouge was a jewel-toned Pollock painting, but this... This had that beautiful haze to it. Almost as though you're looking at an overcast day inside this jewel tone box. It was so beautiful, the way that all these different colors mixed together and how they really took advantage of what I think was the season. I think that this was very much a play that belonged in the heart of winter in February. I think they really understood the mood of the audience walking into this play. I didn't want to be confused and think that I was in summer, but they made a beautiful atmosphere with this lighting. And there were even moments when the lighting was hitting the chandelier that was so new. It was such a new idea with the lighting and its interaction with set. And it felt present. You mentioned 
that Cinderella felt like a Hollywood golden age, but something about this lighting design really helped that production feel young. It really captured Snow White's youthfulness. And we'll get into this further later in the podcast. While the other two pieces felt like Company 14 first and their story second, I really saw this as a continuation of the Snow White mythos. I saw this as a continuation of the world of Snow White. I think they had a lot of respect for the source material. It felt so true to form, and it was completely narrative in that sense. Something I really loved about the lighting design was in the creation of Snow White's glass casket, which was this beautiful scene, very slowly paced, of them unraveling cling wrap, essentially. A giant roll of cling wrap over the previously used false proscenium framework in which she is laid on a box in that And it is slowly, by four people, just rolled and rolled and rolled. The lighting inside of that seam work painted it this very light, almost neon blue. That was gorgeous. It worked so very well. And there's something about that tint of blue that is glasswork and felt like that Disney style. It just And furthermore, in that moment... There was something that I saw, which I didn't witness in the other two pieces, which was a part of melancholy. This moment of meditative melancholy, with a combination of this totally out-of-the-blue dance theater peanut pouch moment with them taking the clean grab around and around the proscenium, which I loved, and also just committing to the mood first. That is one of the two moments of stillness in this production, that really just stuck out, and I don't recall seeing in Cinderella, because even in moments of calm and quiet, for instance, the fairy godmother's entrance, there is still a very slow, decadent movement to that. Whereas in this, Snow White was dead and not moving, frozen, and Snow White lost in the snowstorm was this beautiful, calm, very still moment. It was expansive and cinematic in a way that I had not seen from this company before. It was a sense of wonder, and it made evident this sense of a German expressionist film that I had not seen in their previous work. Hands down, maybe my favorite moment in theater that I've seen in the last year. That snowstorm scene, completely transportive and I have nothing else to say. It was fantastic. And furthermore, in the other two pieces by them, the quiet moments felt like spaces between the things you're supposed to see. They felt like the dot, dot, dot between scenes rather than being standalone scenes that are supposed to be taken in on their own account. And in this, those quiet moments were seen as something that's supposed to weigh as much as the stunt, as the singing, as anything else. And it really helped us follow... Snow White's travels. It brought us into her mind, and we were allowed to breathe with her and be afraid with her, as opposed to being shown all of these ridiculous things as we were in the Nutcracker, or almost forced to feel in Cinderella. Along those lines of restraint, something I really appreciated about this production in comparison to the other two was a much healthier display of the leather BDSM that they are so fond of that was, in this instance, so much more properly used in the simple use of ball gags 
for the queen's mirror bearers. The opening scene has the queen enter and really gorgeously displays her vanity and her cold cruelness as opposed to the wicked stepmother in Cinderella's very hot cruelness. Very sharp whips, and despite the fact that the queen in this production came out with a whip at some point, it always felt like a very blue flame. The costuming in this piece, while I agree that their use of the BDSM was much better in this, I would like to start to see some more variation in the costuming that they use. I completely agree. I love the use of near nudity. I loved the prince's outfit in this. It was newer than I'd seen in the other productions, but it's still mostly corsets and nude forms, and that is absolutely fine if that is your basis, but a little more flavoring would be really appreciated. And uh, I remember saying that I would just like to see something on that stage that doesn't look like it would hurt the touch. A lot of it just seemed uncomfortable at this point in time when you're dealing with this level of character. In this level of world building, I would like to see some sense of comfort in this world that they're making. I would love a version of Cinderella where we see her in something much simpler, like a cotton blouse. (laughs) And really have an everyman being taken into this exquisite world. And a thing that they added to Snow White that we hadn't seen before from Company 14 was the use of projections. Uh, projections are brought in every time the queen asked the mirror who was the fairest of us all. And I really loved that concept. I loved that the mirror was reflecting her face, and so we saw in various forms, one time beautifully projected onto her back, the mirror, which would be her face, responding to her question, It happened a little too often, and they were a little too long, but it was great. It worked very well, and they weren't using it to supplement some missing part of the production, like set. And the use of projection, I loved. I agree. I think the use of projection was phenomenal, especially, as you said, when it was on her back. A lot of uh, variation and innovation with how it's projected. I'll give them that this is how it works in the original piece, that these are the questions asked and these were the responses from that source material. However, I just think it simply took too long to get into and too long to get out of each of those moments in terms of streamlining the question and answer period between her and the mirror. Agreed. And lastly, we have sound design by the director, Austin McCormick. There was a lot I liked about the sound design in this production. There's a lot I loved about it. I'm a little tired of operatic singing at this point. There was just, I felt a little too much of it in this production. But the mashing up of Toxic with a tango flamenco dance number was was visionary. That number, that song, the choreography in line with it, that music just worked perfectly for me. I... In terms of choice of music and what's being used, I really liked their commitment to the Baroque style and to classical music in this. I thought the other two got a little bit into a postmodern jukebox territory that was starting to bore me. But when I was ready to roll my eyes at them reconstructing Toxic, it became one of my, if not my favorite moment of the show. Absolutely. It was so much fun. It was not trying to be anything that it wasn't. 
Uh, the costumes worked, the moment worked, and it was committed to a moment of story. Uh, that was a climax. Yeah, it absolutely was. I liked the use of Baroque. I liked the use of classical music throughout. Solid sound design. Yeah. Yeah, solid choices made in music and sound. Let's move on to cast. So in our cast, we have as the Königin, or the Queen, Laura Careless, as Schneewittchen, or Snow White, Hilly Boden, as the showgirls, Marcy Richardson, Leah Hell, and Marisol Cabrera, as the Königrika, Hofstadt, or Queen's Men, Devon Rainey, Malik Shabazz Kitchen, Mark Osmondson, and Nicholas Caden, and as Der Prince, or the Prince, Courtney Gianor. Disclaimer. As previously mentioned in Cinderella, I know Hilly Bowden well, and it was fantastic to see her in such a leading role so early in her career. So something that they did with this cast that I really appreciate is that they reduced it. As much as I enjoyed seeing everybody on stage all the time, the other two pieces, more in Cinderella than in Nutcracker Rouge in this case, I liked the sense of everybody having an equal hand in telling this very simple story. It was intimate where the others were not, and the size of the cast and the amount of the stage they took up helped the production breathe. And it really helped everybody have a very calm personality without everybody trying to make a very simple concept for themselves when they walk on stage. They were allowed to be their full selves. The showgirls were all so calm and so goofy and fun, and the uh, the Queen's men were so easily, they're just all calm on stage, being themselves and in the moment. And as fun as the stepsisters' one-upsmanship game was in Cinderella, the space and air really allowed for all of these characters to come through without the performers needing to fight for them to be heard or seen. Right. And just having the juxtaposition of Laura Careless's often terrifying queen and... Hilly Bowden's pure and naive Snow White just coming into her own and discovering her power and discovering her sexuality was really beautiful. And having those two very clear, distinct personas on stage was fascinating to watch. Yeah, this play really, and I keep on saying play because more than anything else, this really felt like a piece of drama. I was astonished by Laura Careless as the Queen. Having seen her simper through Nutcracker Rouge, to see her have essentially a monologue in dance form in the beginning was incredible. And her transition out of the circus scene, which replaced the farmer's wife witch scene in which she hands the apple off, and seeing her victory over killing Snow White and reckoning with that for just long enough. Some people might say too long, but it she was so grounded and lost in that moment to have her immediately <laughs> shift into this terrifying 1950s-esque cartoonish dance number. It was it was actually it was a very real star turn for her to take a role like that, and to find all the fun you can get out of it. And she is, she was able to fascinate me with dance on the same level that other performers were able to fascinate me with singing opera upside down on a stripper pole. 
And her introduction was just phenomenal. The way that her character was made completely evident by that first moment was fantastic. Right, and this really felt like a collaboration between her and Aust McCormick in a real development of that monologue through dance. Her introduction with the uh, the Queen's men, with their light-up ball gags, I thought it was going to be a bit much because it was in all their advertising materials, and I thought this was going to be a bit garish and like we've jumped the shark, but she really grounded it in the world of this is a woman in charge. And then with Mirror Mirror on the Wall, her first discovery that she is not the fairest. It was done with such intensity and with such refinement that it perfectly catapulted us into the plot that followed and into the mind of a woman who would try to kill a young girl multiple times to make sure she's a fairest. There was that near Shakespearean loss of power by a monarch that was handled so beautifully. And it feels more than just bland vanity. You do get a sense that this is something that this woman derives all of her life's power from. Mm -hmm. This isn't just, oh, there's a mole over here. This is her work. Yeah. And to have that contrasted by Hilly Bowden's Snow White was beautiful. And then having the trifecta of the prince arriving and being this super suave creature with that sire wheel and that sire wheel work. I have seen a sire wheel used so often in the downtown off, off, off on guard scene to poor effect. But this was incredible. This made me feel like the 1950s movies where the lead jock comes in and he's just so cool and everyone wants to be his friend. And and Courtney just had that. Had whatever that thing is, that charisma, that machismo that just attracted every audience member's focus. And I think one of the good comparisons between Laura Careless and Hilly Bowden's performance is that Hilly's performance... It came more naturally Mm -hmm. in terms of how it was presented. Uh, The choreography of the queen, the way she treats people, all comes with the air of practice and form. And Hilly's performance, it felt like it came to her with ease. And that she didn't even have to try to be the fairest in the land. It's just something that she was born with. And that's not to say that she doesn't do a great job putting in performance, putting in ballet, putting in all these great moments. But a contrast there between the queen who has fought and has refined and refined and refined, and Hilly, who's able to just sort of breathe into her own beauty, made for a great dynamic. There was just so much smoothness and liveness and grace in Hilly where in Snow White where the queen was such sharp edges, it was incredible to have those two things together. Right, and also looking at costuming. So at the end of the piece, when you have the prince and Snow White, their costuming is sort of like a uh, a tapestry that's mm-hmm. put around them. Still burlesque, still showing some skin, but it's a tapestry work. And it really gives a sense of a kind of a warmth to them and a comfort uh, as compared to the almost drag elements of the queen. Laura Careless's final dress is this 
really gorgeous sequined evening gown that reminds me of B.B. Newworth or Eartha Kitt in this kind of smoky, all fingernails pulling you towards her, and you know you're being manipulated, but you want it anyway. <laughs> yes. Right. And her three torments that she pulls on Snow White, uh, the first being the corset that's pulled too tightly, the second being the poisoned comb, and the third, the apple, which is now uh, the sort of bobble that's being put in a circus from person to person to person. They were done with inventiveness as well. The beat structure of this production was absolutely wonderful. It fixed the issues I had with Nutcracker in that narrative structure. The moments were very clean and clearly defined from the Queen's entrance to Snow White's entrance to the Queen ordering the woodsman to get the heart of Snow White to that gorgeous orb of ice with the beating heart at the center that the queen attacked with a knife and shot ice everywhere, which was probably unsafe for the first row, into the puppet show in which, without having to probably offensively solve for having seven little men, Austin McCormick has staged this puppet show for the meeting of the dwarves every time. Into the torments, the first being the corset, the second being the comb, and the third being the apple, which was given to her through this circus, which worked far better than the circus moments in either of the first two productions. And there was, I keep saying, there was so much space and air on stage to breathe, and During that circus performance, everyone had a moment to shine without everyone being given a moment to shine for the audience to recognize their skill and their talent. They were simply all happening. It was paced so well that the audience was given that moment. And it was done with a focus. It was never just there for stunt work. It was there to center around the apple that that Snow White was doomed to bite into. And we went immediately from there into the funeral scene with the saran wrap glass coffin. Right. Into the... Oh, the sire wheel. Into the sire wheel. Into the queen's punishment by death by dancing in the the smoking hot coal red shoes as she danced to death. The ending was a little weak. Yeah, while her dancing was excellent... Just in its way of framing the moral it's trying to state, something got a little bit muddled in having Snow White now curious who is the fairest in the land, or for some reason that being offered again. Rather than showing two clear viewpoints on vanity, Snow White, who's happy with her natural beauty, and the Queen, who is obsessed with her constructed beauty, and that being her doom while Snow White's able to be in love, It was just muddled, and it didn't end with the sense of finality that uh, could have really helped this be a piece of some poignancy. And I am all for having corruption feed into the next generation as a moral for these kinds of stories, but there was something about not ending with the light solely focused on the queen as she danced to her death with the projection of the mirror 
that once Snow White was introduced into that ending, rather than letting her go on and live, quote, happily ever after, end quote, it kind of, it just, it was muddled. It got a little confusing. Because he did do similar things in Cinderella and Nutcracker Rouge, where they wake up from the dream or whatever happens, and it kind of is meant to leave this bad tang in your mouth of not everything is well. There isn't a happy ever after. But it's this tint of realism he tries to bring onto things that it feels it just never quite lands well. No, uh, it worked decently with Cinderella. Uh, however, here it just felt muddled as to what the statement was supposed to be. That didn't deride in any way, shape, or form the power of the performance off of its hinges. The performance still resonated very, very well. But this is just, for our last moment, I would have preferred a bit more clarity with a piece that was so incredibly well-structured. Agreed. So, Wesley, I guess the last question is, is it worth the $65 full-price ticket? It's weird because while this was my favorite of their pieces, it's not as easy to recommend at that ticket cost as Cinderella or Nutcracker Rouge were, simply because, you know, those featured stunts that are so much easier to define. However... Yes, I do think it's absolutely worth the cost of admission to see this. Robin. Yes, it is. Spend the money, go see the show. It's fantastic. As always, you can find us and join in on the conversation at obstructed-view.com or on Facebook or Twitter. I'm Robin. And I'm Wesley. And remember, everything is perfect at the ballet. You are so unimpressed right now. I hate you. I hate staring at you when we do these. I want to punch you in the face all the time.